0: Welcome to the Why on Earth community podcast. I'm your host, Aaron William Perry, and today we're visiting with the president of Dr. Bronner's, Mike Bronner. Hey, Mike. Hey, how's it going?
1: Great. How are you doing today? Oh, really well. Happy to be here in uh, sunny Southern California. Yeah, excellent. And I'm, I'm especially
0: excited about our conversation today because we're going to be talking about chocolate.
1: Uh, yes. Um, it's, uh, it's a new thing for me to start talking about chocolate. Usually I talk about soap, so it's, uh, it's yeah. going to be fun. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's great. That's great. Michael Bronner is president of Dr. Bronner's, the top selling natural brand of soaps in North America and producer of other organic body care and food products. He is a grandson of company founder Emmanuel Bronner and a fifth generation soap maker michael was promoted from vice president to president in 2015. his first directive under his new title was to promote his brother david to ceo defining the initials with an unconventional twist cosmic engagement officer after graduating from brown university with a degree in english michael traveled the world extensively studying in ethiopia and teaching english language in japan for three years a philanthropist activist and active community leader Michael is an advocate for many social and environmental justice causes advanced by the company, including fair trade, organic standards, animal advocacy, and ocean conservation. He currently sits on the San Diego District Export Council where he counsels businesses on export processes, commerce education, and advises uh, per his expertise in international trade. He was born in Los Angeles, California in 1975 and lives in Carlsbad, California with his wife, Erin, and their children, Eli and Alora. So, you know, speaking of children, Mike, to kick things off here, uh, for folks who haven't yet seen this, I thought I'd show and, and mention that uh, this is the Dr. Bronner's liquid soap, and probably have to confess that my mother, once or twice in my childhood, had good reason uh, to wash my mouth out with soap. And when I, cheater in on the fact that the liquid might be more effective than the solid version. Um, you know, we got a chuckle, but today we're not, we're not talking about soap, something we might regret sticking in our mouths, but we are talking about chocolate Mm. and, uh, these beautiful, beautiful, absolutely delicious new, um, Dr. Bronner's, uh, chocolate bars, um, magic bars. And so Mike, uh, with that, if, if you wouldn't mind just, Kicking it right off and telling us all about why chocolate and what's special about your guys' chocolate.
1: Sure. Well, uh, what's special about our chocolate? Uh, first of all, it's absolutely delicious, right? You mentioned I have I have two kids, they're um, gosh, almost nine and almost six, and you know we're talking about a a rich dark chocolate um, that contains the finest ingredients from all over the world. Um, you know, we get our, our cocoa from Ghana and the Ivory Coast and our, our coconut sugar from Indonesia and you know, vanilla from Madagascar. But uh, despite not having any sugar, but coconut sugar, not having any cane sugar and being dark, my kids devour it, right? Like this is super indulgent chocolate. It comes in six varieties. Um, you know, I think our rising to the top are our three praline bars, uh, we have a um, a coconut praline. We have a salted almond butter, hazelnut butter. Uh, but then, of course, we have the whole almonds, whole hazelnut, and one of my favorites, which is our salted uh, dark chocolate. I'm a, I'm a I'm a salted dark guy, and it's been a blast, really, just getting this out into people's hands. Um, you know, getting people to to uh, you know, get over their disbelief that a soap company is making amazing award-winning chocolate (laughs) and, uh, yeah, just kind of spreading that joy. I mean, there's, you know, really when it comes down to it, I mean, you know, uh, chocolate's like love in a bite.
0: Oh, I love it. I got to write that down because that is (laughs) perfect. Um, yeah. And I will say that, uh, look, I'm, I'm, an enjoyer of chocolate and uh, have admired a lot of different uh, great fair trade, organic chocolate companies out there. We've even had one or two uh, of those companies as guests on the podcast. But I have to say this is far and away my favorite chocolate. And uh, I don't know what you guys figured out over there. And I think magic is, is apropos. Um, But but it's extraordinarily delicious. And uh, it's it's like a
1: real experience eating it. Absolutely. Um, Yeah, it's, uh, you know, such a such a rich flavor. And, you know, a lot of that comes from taking ownership, essentially, or oversight of all the materials that are in there, uh, in our extremely ethical, very transparent supply chains, many of which are, are regenerative organic, and combining that with Uh, Swiss chocolatiers who really know what they're doing. So I'd like to reaffirm to everybody listening that um, we didn't just take our soap making and say, hey, let's use the same technique and make chocolate. No, we worked with the experts. But what we really had was this amazing vertically integrated supply chain where we were already growing these materials uh, because regenerative organic is, uh, it means that you're not just growing one thing. And so with our, our raw materials, we're already growing chocolate. All right, excuse me, cocoa beans and already selling those to chocolatiers. And so, you know, we just made the decision one day, like, why not us? And because we don't know anything about making chocolate until <laughs> we worked with the best of the best. Well,
0: I, uh, I have to take the opportunity. It's not too often I get to enjoy eating something uh, while doing an interview. I'm gonna open up the yellow one, salted almond butter here, and have a bite, Mike, while we're while we're chatting and enjoy this uh, love and a bite. Um, and I, I thought I I would ask you to kind of walk us through, you know, why for me as a consumer should I even care about um, where the different ingredients are being sourced and how it's affecting people around the world and. You know, you, you put together this wonderful op-ed in foodtank.com called uh, This World Chocolate Day, Let's Rethink Big Cocoa," in which you describe a bit of the history as well as some of the current practices with uh, bigger mainstream companies uh, that frankly are, are not practices I think we should be feeling good about. And um, could you kind of take us back to the, the 1500s and kind of walk us through how we got to where we are today?
1: Right, well, in the 1500s, I believe it was in July, uh, July (laughs) July 12th, I should remember, uh, World World Chocolate Day, Um, you know, they, um, uh, you know, chocolate was essentially first, you know, brought into the mainstream, it was, um, you know, called, you know, Theobroma, food of the gods in Greek, and um, it was derived from, uh, cocoa was derived from the Mayan, uh, word for cocoa or cacao from cocoa. And, you know, it was considered to have these properties that literally caused feelings of love to emote when you ate it, right? It was, it was very much um, an, ex, you know, uh, a promise uh, of an expression of love that came out when you eat, when you ate it. And over the years, you know, as chocolate made its way into the the new world um, into Europe, um, it was kind of separated from its origins Origins and the cocoa um, that was consumed in Europe was, you know, extremely delicious and was synonymous with Valentine's Day and, you know, all kinds of holidays and gift giving, but the makers of the cocoa beans were just like not, not even thought of and were living in extreme poverty <laughs> and were um, you know using slave labor, and there was this complete disconnect between the enjoyment of the finished product and the um, you know the tedium, you know, and the uh, exploitation of the original materials. And so, you know, we want to you know we say this, Dr. Browns, we want to fulfill chocolate's promise as an expression of love, <laughs> right? And, uh-huh. and elevate it into the pure indulgence it is meant to be. And in order to do so, you have to make sure that every single stakeholder at every step of the way—not not just after the chocolate, you know, gets to Europe or gets to America, you know—and as you know, the 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 that cocoa is then made into bars, but the stakeholders at the very beginning, you know, are being treated well, are being elevated by the uh, sales and consumption of the end product. I mean, one. Just incredible statistic that um, struck me was the fact that only 10 per less than 10 percent of cocoa farmers actually have ever eaten a bar of chocolate. Oh, wow! wow. You know, and so it's like you know, they, they're, they're harvesting you know this commodity for western consumption and they never get to enjoy the outputs, not to mention that you know, oftentimes they are you know, left in poverty conditions and can't make ends meet.
0: And you guys, obviously, w- across all of your products are deeply engaged in uh, a number of communities in multiple countries. And, and I want to, you know, just point out and remind our audience that uh, a while back, we had the opportunity to interview your colleague, uh, Garo Lazon, with his amazing book, Chronicling the Dr. Bronner's story uh, called Honor Thy Label. And the subtitle is Dr. Bronner's Unconventional Journey to a Clean, Green, and Ethical Supply Chain. And uh, in here, he shares stories about the years and the deep relationship building you guys have invested in in these in these communities all over. And I, I thought uh, it would be good for our audience if you could describe a bit you know, what you guys are doing and, and how that contrasts with how chocolate is generally done with sort of the anonymous markets and clearinghouses and that kind of stuff.
1: Um, yeah, uh, so, I'm sorry, you, you cut out there just for a second. Can you repeat that last part?
0: Oh, shoot. Yeah. Um, yeah with, did you catch the part about uh,
1: the book? About book? I'm sorry, I caught the part about Gerald's book. I'm sorry, just that that last yeah. part
0: okay shoot we might have had a little glitch in the matrix there um yeah i was just i was hoping you could describe a bit what you guys are doing with the farming communities you're working with and and how that contrasts with uh the mainstream practices with the anonymous markets and clearing houses and that sort of thing
1: right well first of all we're working directly with them (laughs) you know and that's that's the the most important um difference between us and big chocolate right because uh all those evils that occur in chocolate where you're talking about exploitation and child slavery uh there's there's something called um opaque by design opaque by design whereas there are you know pretty much five five or so cocoa bean traders <laughs> that secure all of the most of the cocoa beans, like 95% of the cocoa beans from all over the world and funnel them to, you know, the, uh, the, the chocolatiers in the West. And, you know, what, what you'll hear from like the Nestleys and the Cargill's is that, you know, of what we know of what we know and what we can track like we're we're, we're doing actually a, a really good job. I mean, whether they're not doing much, but at least there's no uh, child labor or child or child slavery. Um, and so, you know, the you know, our call out to them, first of all, is just like, no, that's not an excuse not knowing you need to go that extra mile. You're one of the biggest corporations in the world. You could you could know exactly exactly who you're buying. these beans from but they choose not to because if you know the more you know uh the more you realize that yes you are responsible for exploitation and it does cost more money (laughs) right and they don't they're they're just responsible to their shareholders not their stakeholders right and you know the stakeholders being all those people all along the supply chain so you know the, the first thing we do is we you know build uh, relationships with local farmers. We build local mills, right? So um, the um, uh, in Ghana, um, our project that we are um, are using for cocoa is actually our palm our palm mill, right? We have a, a regenerative organic um, palm um, um, facility there called Surrender Palm, and it is uh, entirely meant to show that palm can be uh, generated in a regenerative way, that you can actually grow palm and add trees <laughs> and increase livelihoods instead of taking away trees and just growing that crop, right? So just, I guess, first and foremost, when it comes to, you know, cocoa, it is actually one of the, the crops that we intercrop with dynamic agroforestry amidst the palm trees, so that we can um, a have better soil f- uh, f- uh, soil fertility, um, and we can have all these symbiotic relationships, but also um, so that we are farming in 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 nature's image, um, and in doing so, uh, reducing uh, carbon emissions and actually sequestering them into the environment, and then you know very importantly increasing. The um, the value uh, that these uh, that these palm farms have for the farmers, right? So that they are actually getting more money for all of the materials that are on their um, that are on their um, that are, that, are, that is on their land. And so, you know, the you ask like, how? Um, what are we doing differently? Well, for those farmers, we actually pay a floor price. Right, or sorry, we we don't pay a floor price. There is a floor price that um, um, is determined by the market, right? Um, I'm sorry, that's the market price determined by the market. And then we will always pay 10% over that for organic, another 10% over that for fair trade. And another 10% goes into a community fund that then goes to benefit the whole community. And we're training these farmers to not use pesticides. We're actually training people who train them because it's always better if you have the right messenger. Um, But we're developing expertise on the ground that can actually have these farmers build more value. And in in strengthening their communities, um, we're building schools for them. Um, We're building all kinds of of, um, development projects. So that you know their, you know their children have opportunities, you know to to go to school, better schools. They have the ability to get paid more. So that they're they're not um, there's not the pressure to bring in this outside labor. And you know, see, we're giving them the the um, the value added markets for all these extra crops they're growing, uh, not just palm, not just cocoa, but other things like cassava, turmeric, and ginger.
0: Mm, that's absolutely amazing. You know, and, and, you know, one little point I might um, add to about this idea of responsibility, right? And quote unquote, not knowing is not an excuse. And, you know, not only uh, do corporations have responsibility, but as I wrote about in, in my book, Why on Earth, um, in the chapter called Demand. You know as individual consumers we have responsibility too and i've, I've been thinking about this the last couple of days preparing for our discussion mike obviously you know dr Bronner's chocolate when i see it at the store may not be the cheapest bar on the shelf um i personally tend to opt for quality over quantity when i'm when i'm buying treats like this so i'm comfortable paying the premium but i think it's probably important that more of us become aware as consumers, as folks sending the signals into the marketplace, that when we're you know, saving a buck or whatever on a bar of chocolate, we are literally uh, funding the child labor, slavery, uh, pest, use of pesticides, destruction of ecosystems around the planet. And I, I think it's really important that we connect those dots for us as, as individuals.
1: Absolutely, yeah, it's just like, um, you know, healthcare at home, right? When, when, uh, when corporations don't pay healthcare, right? That, uh, that's, those expenses are foisted on the society and come out of like taxes, right? And come out of, um, um, you know, other, other uh, uh, reven- revenue generators. And in these countries around the world that you are not paying a fair wage to for the farmers, um you know they are suffering (laughs) they are suffering because the corporation even though they're able to charge a really high price for or excuse me a really low price for their chocolate um they're doing so at the expense of you know farmers at the very beginning of the supply chain getting pennies and living in extreme poverty and so you know when you're you're paying you know a higher price um it means that you are ensuring that every stakeholder along the way is actually getting compensated reasonably.
0: And and not only are you guys at Dr. Bronner's really leading the way in your supply chain reach around the globe, but you're also doing a number of really innovative things within your own company. And, uh, you know, we here at the Why on Earth community are, writing and sharing and speaking increasingly about regenerative economics and social enterprise and so on and i thought it would be really great to have you speak just a bit about some of the mechanisms you guys have committed to within dr bronner's that creates even more social equity and and fairness for your whole team of of employees
1: sure well you know at dr bronner's we cap all executive salaries at five to one So the highest uh, salary in the company um, will make only five times the lowest fully vested worker. And uh, the fully vested worker is basically somebody who has been here for five years, topped out at the the wage scale. So the the lowest paid worker here that has been here five years makes over $60,000 a year. And there's nobody in the company that makes over $320,000 a year. And so um, what we're able to do there is we're able to take all of the added profits from the company and anything that's not needed for capital development um, or, you know, pay taxes <laughs> is it goes to charity, right? It goes to fund all kinds of uh, initiatives that we're passionate about. But for the, uh, for the employees themselves, uh, we... Also, give them 100% uh, non deductible health care for them and their families Um, that includes uh, a dental plan, we also do LASIK, Um, we also just started doing a psychedelic benefit where uh, we offer uh, ketamine therapy um, for a lot of workers. um, uh, For all of our workers and their families uh, who wants to um, who wants to take advantage of that because these difficult times are, are just really trying on the on the on the mind and soul and we you know also give um free lunches free vegan lunches for our employees we cover the um child costs up to $7,500 per family um through a, a really great program that even can work with um you know um you know, Small scale nannies, you know, just individual nannies and such, which has really been helpful during COVID. And um, we offer, you know, a profit sharing plan for all of our employees. Uh, It's no different for people at the very top, at the very bottom, that uh, 10% of their combined salary, and that's their combined salary plus bonus, usually 10% bonus, every year um, goes into. you know, a, a a savings retirement account for them, and they can access that when they leave. And I have to say, not many people leave until no. until the very uh, the very last moment. It's absolutely beautiful, and uh, you
0: know, I uh, kudos to you guys for really leading the way and and setting the example for what's possible. And um, I'll take this opportunity to remind our audience that this is the why on earth community podcast i'm your host aaron william perry and today we're visiting with the president of dr Bronner's, mike Bronner, and want to give a couple quick shout outs to some of our sponsors and partners um, this includes waylay waters the uh, regenerative and biodynamically grown hemp infused aromatherapy soaking salts that is a social enterprise launched by the why on earth community and purium uh, offering all manner of organic uh, foods and supplements many from their own organic farms and you can uh, find links and use the code why on earth to get discounts with both waylay waters and purium links in the show notes and gotta also give a quick shout out to uh, a little uh labor of love a novel called Veriditas that i just finished writing and that is uh coming out uh imminently uh since we don't know exactly when we're gonna publish this episode mike the book may or may not be published within a, a few days i'm sure and this is a story that is also uh all about what's possible right now in the world And you probably won't be surprised to hear that Dr. Bronner's is actually mentioned in here more than once. And there's a scene uh, in the cave, I don't want to give too much away, when the main character is pregnant and a dear woman comes with some of the Dr. Bronner's magic chocolate, and it is just a luscious (laughs) moment. Um, So check that out, veriditas societyorg or VeriditasBook.com will get you there and uh it's it's another step in this growing ecosystem of uh services and storytelling around the creation of a sacred stewardship and regenerative culture together and uh mike you guys are i I think par excellence really leading the way and your discussion around uh the ketamine and, and psychedelic therapy jogged my memory, I wanna ask you guys, cause you're doing so much work also with the Regenerative Organic Alliance, which we'll talk about, but can you share a bit with us about the work you're doing around drug policy reform and why certain uh, appropriately administered, professionally administered um, uses of psychedelics is so important for folks dealing with things like uh, post-traumatic stress disorder, and really other types of uh, trauma and stress in life could you tell us a bit about that
1: sure yeah you know psychedelics is um you know familiar to many and um, i'm sure probably most of your listeners have a positive association with psychedelics but um we've always taken a stance that we want to educate people who are more like in my mom's church group (laughs) uh, as to these benefits because you know, um, you know, her generation disassociated with Timothy Leary, you know, uh, turn on, tune in, drop out. And, you know, the history of psychedelics is that it was, it showed incredible promise as like the, the, you know, the, the final frontier of, you know, psychiatric care. And then the 60s happened and it got associated with, with uh, Timothy Leary, and then just all research stopped. But it was—it's always been extremely promising. And you know, one of the only um, psychedelics that was kind of left alone was ketamine, right? And that—that's the one that's still legal here in America because it's the anesthesia of choice for uh, all ambulances and and um, and EMTs uh, in America. Because not only does it actually um, you know stop the pain, but it, it produces a you slightly euphoric effect, uh, which is, you know, beneficial if, you know, somebody's just been in a car crash. Well, um, so ketamine is the one that, you know, we offer because it is the legal one, but, you know, all kinds of others, um, you know, ayahuasca, right? Ibogaine, um, you know, obviously um, uh, um, just magic mushrooms. These all show incredible promise. And one of the big, uh, entry points for especially people that are maybe more on the right has been the success of dealing with post-traumatic stress disorder, right? Um, The psychedelics, and there's just so much research being done on on exactly how they work, kind of in a way, you know, know, uh, I mean, you know, people, your people, people listening probably know the hallucinatory state, but it's, you know, it it, uh, kind of puts the brain in a processing state that you can actually make like real changes, just like Michael Pollan says in his book, How to Change Your Mind, you can actually make real changes with the synapses and neurons in your mind to get over painful experiences, to get past certain addictions, to uh, reconcile with just horrendous moments in your past and actually come out of it, um, you know, healed with ongoing therapy, of course. And um, with, with uh, post-traumatic stress syndrome, it's been a lot of the veterans coming back from Iraq and Afghanistan, and they um, they come over uh, back to America, have a terrible time reintegrating. Um, you know, turn you know you have Western medicine, um, it doesn't work. All those drugs, they don't work. Um, you know, people go into horrible depression and horrible like alcoholism, and their families are being torn apart. And then they go down to South America and they go through like ayahuasca treatment. Uh, ayahuasca and they are changed people like it literally like takes that pain that they've had and it allows them to like confront it go into it and emerge with it being in a more um you know in a more uh you know in a more healing space right totally turns their lives around and so kind of it's just been this um, consortium of people on the left. Um, perhaps you could put Dr. Browners on the left, um, and you know organizations like MAPS, which is are are out there to to um, to actually um, d- um, make uh, MDMA um, um, uh, like a, uh, get FDA approval as um, as a prescription drug, and you know, people on the right, uh, like, you know, Rick Perry, you know, ex-governor of Texas, who's, you know, ran ran for the Republican nomination, he's a big supporter of these psychedelics, too, because he's seen what it's done for his son. And so, yeah, we're trying to bring this information to people. We're trying to bring uh, awareness to people, and we're trying to bring, you know, in this small way right now, those benefits to Dr. Bronner's in place.
0: That's really tremendous. It's amazing the way you guys are, again, leading in, in that space. And it's um, so important that we become more educated around this thing. And look, I, we at, at the Why on Earth community, we have a very diverse audience. And so sure, sure some of our audience might be familiar and, and even have some personal experience, but I think there's probably a good number who aren't as familiar. And you mentioned Michael Pollan's book, um, Changing Your Mind and uh that's the title right am i getting Uh, how to
1: change how to change your mind how to change your mind and And it's really like a physiological change too (laughs) yeah
0: yeah and i've read parts of that there's another book i read the whole thing um by jeremy narby called cosmic serpent about ayahuasca about his experience as an anthropologist down in the uh, amazon basin with some of the indigenous people there and it's an extraordinary eye-opening heart opening Um, discussion around, you know, the relationship with these sacred plants and entheogens and and fungi. And, uh, you know, this term veriditas that that we named the novel for is uh, a word. It means the green healing energy of the divine that flows through plants and was uh, created, that word was coined by Hildegard von Bingen, the German mystic about 900 years ago. And so I think there's an entire, it seems there's an entire cosmos, an entire world of experience that uh, many of us, yes, have um, experienced and, and had some healing from. But, you know, it seems a good number of us here, especially in the United States, maybe haven't given it a chance. And perhaps reading one or a couple of these books would be a helpful way to kind of get familiar agreed so can you tell us also about the innovative work you guys are doing around the regenerative organic alliance and the regenerative organic certification i I think it's a really important piece for folks to understand in terms of the the stewardship of land and water and people and so on
1: sure absolutely um so regenerative organic is the combination of you know a strong social standard, so you can say you know fair trade, uh, a strong um, animal welfare standard, and a super strong you know organic standard. But it goes beyond organic, and I know that's controversial when you say beyond organic. Um, but it's not enough to just not put. Um, uh, carbon back, you know, into the air. Uh, there's a lot of legacy car- carbon already in the air, and so it really encourages and um, and certifies um, like low till tilling, um, mulching, cover cropping, ways of farming that not don't just put pesticides in the ground, but are also like really bringing the carbon back into the earth. And you know, this is extremely important because. You know we hear all the time about how you know um you know uh, coal mines and and cars and factories are belching out all this carbon into the environment um you know close behind is agriculture right it's um you know a, a phenomenal source um, of carbon going in the atmosphere and so you know we're trying to encourage a way create a way for you know farmers to kind of farm in nature's image um, and then consumers to support that in the marketplace to create that circle that can really turn agriculture into a force for, for our climate change mitigation rather than, um, you know, accelerating the problem. Awesome.
0: Yeah, no, that's so great to hear about. And, um, uh, Elizabeth Whitlow, the, the executive director of the regenerative organic Alliance has been on our podcast. We did a great episode with her a little while back and, uh, it's such a such a beautiful thing you guys are doing and really inviting more and more other companies and consumers into the fold with you there. Um, so before we kind of wrap up here, Mike, uh, and of course, if there's anything else you'd like to add, um, you know, please do. But I, I got to ask, in this process of collaborating with these Swiss chocolatiers, uh, I imagine there was a lot of... Uh, uh, tasting and trial and maybe error i don't know delicious error and so like what was that process like uh formulating the chocolates were your kids involved like
1: how did that feel oh gosh oh my kids would have loved to be involved (laughs) actually (laughs) it was it was um you know we'd have like eight hour days right and for the first hour it's just like oh my gosh i'm getting paid for this and, you know by the by the eighth hour you're like oh, I can't eat chocolate again for another three months but um you, you learn so much right I mean it it's it's first first of it we got complete instruction in like understanding how we taste right and so like we developed we understood what our tolerances were for bitter for sweet for sour um and then we tried um you know all kinds of chocolate from you know hundred percent, cacao, right? We're talking no sugar um, in that chocolate to, you know, 90%, 70%. uh, We didn't do any, you know, dairy chocolate, of course, we were always going to be vegan. But, um, you know, one of the keys, key discoveries for us was when we found that we can make a chocolate without cane sugar. That was fair trade, that was organic, (laughs) that, um, you know, hit all the boxes, right? Um, And tasted phenomenal because you know to, up to the very end me and my brother were just like you know we love this coconut sugar we love the idea of not having cane sugar but like would I be proud of handing somebody that 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 bar knowing that I could hand the cane sugar bar to them and it would be just a little bit better mm-hmm. and there was a day when you know we we're doing these blind tastings and we couldn't we couldn't tell which one was the cane sugar, which one was the, uh, coconut sugar. We in fact sought the coconut sugar. One was the cane sugar. I mean, we had nailed it. And I think that was, that was the biggest epiphany because, you know, we know that people are going to support the, um, you know, fantastic, uh, transparent supply chains, um, that we have with Dr. Bronner's and, you know, all the integrity we put into the product. But, um, You know, it was made clear to us by a chocolate expert we were working with that, you know, 75, 80%, maybe 85% of the buying experience is going to be that indulgence, right? And so to be able to hit it all, (laughs) um, uh, you know, I mean, we were pretty hyped up on sugar, but I think we did a dance.
0: Well, I I will I will say uh, as a testimonial for for one, the, this is hands down the best chocolate I can find on the shelf at the markets around here, and I absolutely love it. Um, well done, well done.
1: Yeah, yeah what think, a treat. Yeah, there's um, there's so many people who um, were uh, more so involved. I mean, more involved. I mean, we have an amazing team. Of, of people from our, our vice president of special ops, Gary Lazone, who you mentioned in his book. He's the one that has been um you know essentially building this vertically integrated supply chain around the world that is fair trade and organic and has um you know brought in so much development to all these people that brought in dynamic agroforest forestry, which brought in the cocoa, um that you know is is uh is uh, fueling all this all this amazing chocolate and then um just everybody along the way who has uh, really stepped up in, in order to make this amazing project possible um it's great to be part of the team
0: beautiful absolutely beautiful mike well listen um you know we're going to uh wrap up our our uh podcast interview here but you and i are going to have a few minutes of additional conversation for our behind the scenes uh piece for our ambassador network um about some really exciting news uh coming up you guys i guess are rolling out some new products ahead of the holidays but uh before we switch over to that mike i want to just thank you for joining us here at the why on earth community podcast and if there's anything else you'd like to mention before we sign off please do
1: yeah, just um, you know, I hope uh, I hope you uh, support our our chocolate just like you support our so- our soaps. They go so well together. Just uh, take a really nice bath in the in the peppermint and a nice bar of you know our salted almond butter chocolate. And we can't supply you the candle, but you'll have an amazing experience, and um, it, it it it's just like the best meditation you've ever had. Beautiful.
0: Thanks, Mike. Talk to you later. All right. Thank you.
1: It was great to be here.
2: The Why on Earth? Community Stewardship and Sustainability Podcast Series is hosted by Aaron William Perry, author, thought leader, and executive consultant. The podcast and video recordings are made possible by the generous support of people like you. To sign up as a daily, weekly, or monthly supporter, please visit whyonearth.org backslash support support packages start at just $1 per month. The podcast series is also sponsored by several corporate and organization sponsors. You can get discounts on their products and services using the code whyonearth, all one word with a Y. These sponsors are listed on the whyonearth.org backslash support page.